Snap Studios. I hated him and knew he'd lied. He said he'd seen the day I died, but then refused my date to tell. So I knew the time he'd die as well. <laughs> you listen to Spooked. Stay tuned. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. Okay, so I recently threw caution to the wind. And I went to Vegas to hang out with some friends I don't often get to see a lot in the Raj, my boys from back in the day. And one of the reasons I love reunions with people I haven't seen in forever is because we get to relive the stories. The stories we share, stories I scarcely believe myself anymore. Bruh, did we really go down into that tunnel in Japan? Am I making that up? And didn't have the confirmation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were the one passing out those hats we got from the mafia guys. Don't you remember? And we'll laugh and laugh and laugh some more. And just hearing it from someone else, someone back there when, it's like, no. No, I'm not insane yet. As wild as that was, it actually went down. And it strikes me even now that so often I still don't trust what I see. Don't trust what I hear. Instead, I think, no. No, this couldn't. I must be confused, intoxicated, losing it. So many times, I wish there was someone else sitting in the corner to say, no, bruh. No. I see it, too. Spook starts.
much does it take to make you trust your own eyes? We begin with Matt. Matt was seeking peace and solitude when he moved into his own place. Peace? That was easy to come by. But solitude? Well, that's another story. I should let you know this story does contain graphic imagery and descriptions of violence. Since the listeners are advised, I'll let Matt take it from here. Spooked. So the, the year is 1996 and I'm 22 years old and I'm living in a town called Edgebaston in Birmingham, England. I'm living in the top floor of a house. The house is a one of your, your typical Victorian three-storey red brick terraced house. It probably been built around the mid to late 1800s. My bedroom had a, a window on the left side of the house as you look from the street, and that overlooked the park and the, and the church and looked down the road going towards the city. It just felt very welcoming and at ease in the flat. And you could put that down to that being the first time that I'd been living by myself. And so it was, a, it was an exciting, exciting time. I was looking forward to just being in charge of myself. It was a weekend. It was either a, a Saturday or a Sunday, but weekends were never very busy for me it was a almost a typical english you know still gray sky very cloudy and it was drizzling i sat back on the on the sofa sitting with my back to the window and i had my um, incense sticks on the go as well cuz that always seems to to fit with me for that that type of grey, rainy, peaceful day. My eyes closed, the music coming through the stereo. And I was I was very relaxed. As I relaxed, it felt like there was somebody there. It felt like they were sitting on the other part of the L-shaped couch, listening to music with me, enjoying what I was enjoying. But I opened my eyes and there wasn't anyone there. 
but I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it was whatever dopamine was going through my head, being so relaxed and listening to the music, then that's what I was projecting. After that first time, it started to happen more and more. But whenever I did feel that, you know, that there was nothing physical that you could point out, oh, that someone sat on that sofa because the, that part of the seat has, has been pushed down. Or I can hear breathing. It was almost something in the air. Almost a, a warmth of somebody who, who just wants to be there and enjoy what you're enjoying and make sure you've got got some company that's that's how it felt so I, I had two kittens they were probably a year old One was Peggy Suicide, and the other one was called Jelly Pop Perky Jean, and they were they were both named after uh, Julian Cope um, album and, and song. And these two kittens, of course, they were they're in the the flat, and they're very playful. I used to play fetch with them. But every so often, uh, they would both stop and stare at something uh, across the wall and they would look at something at one point in the on the wall and then follow it around the room and I tried very hard to see what they were watching but whenever they did it there was no no flies there was no no light shining onto the onto the wall but they were very definitely watching something together their head would, heads would move around the room and they they kept doing this and so after a while when i saw them do it i, I used to say stop watching the ghost but that was just me making myself laugh thinking that was something so ridiculous so I'd, I'd been living at the, the flat for about a year and a half um, and I was, I was perfectly happy in the flat um, but I decided to move out purely just to save some money friend of a friend was renting in a house and he needed someone to to rent with him and I just thought oh it'd be company and I'll, I'll save on the rent and the bills have more money for going out and buying records my landlord used to come round every month to collect the rent and I'd, I'd given him a month's rent and, and told him I'd be moving out the following month And when I did, he said, it's, it's very strange, you know, 
because out of all the the places that I own, this is the only place where people don't tend to stay more than a couple of months, uh, sometimes weeks, and so it's very strange that you've been here for a year and a half. I did say to him, why has nobody ever stayed here for more than a couple of months? And he says, I, I don't know, it's just a, an outlier. So in the final week that I was going to move out, uh, I started getting ready for bed. So I fed the the cats as normal, um, put everything away. I did my usual, you know, washing routine, brushing my teeth, getting changed, throwing my clothes on the on the floor, and hopping into bed. I looked over towards the um, bedroom window and I saw the moonlight coming through the window. It was a, a very clear night, but I noticed that the light was almost misty. And so I I turned my head to the left a bit, um, looking at the wardrobe. And as I stared at the wardrobe, this misty light, it started to form into a shape. And the shape that began to form was that of a young woman probably late teens early early 20s her hair i noticed um was long and sleek and, and black it's it's odd because the shadow or the the darkness made it look as if her hair was very shiny and that that is one of the things that stood out that she looked like an attractive young woman I'm quite certain she had a, a longish skirt or a dress on I didn't want to run I I don't think I felt scared, I didn't feel threatened. I just wanted to see this image form and think, well, what on earth is going on? Is this part of my imagination? Is it the moonlight? But at the same time, it was definite person formed out of dark shadow and white mist. almost like a a negative image and she stood by this wardrobe door looking directly at me expressionless and 
just as I began to acknowledge to myself I'm seeing something that I really shouldn't be seeing she started to move towards the bed she may have been floating she may have been walking but I was I wasn't watching her feet I was looking at her face and she came closer and closer to the bed as she got right next to the bed she began to lean over towards my face and that's when I began to get scared I thought well this seems very real now and I don't know what's going to happen she just got closer and closer and then started bending over it's the motion of a mother standing at the side of a bed wanting to kiss a child goodnight but I didn't let it get that far because my overriding fear then took over I just dove under the covers and just lay there in in fear waiting for something to happen I lay there for probably about two hours just with the, the covers pulled over my head I didn't want to go to sleep I just thought I'll lie here and, and wait to see what happens but nothing did happen and eventually my body just took over and I went to sleep I woke up the following day and there was there was nothing in the room and I was initially scared when I, I woke up but very quickly I I thought well I must have been seeing things whatever I saw wasn't real and I just put it down to being tired and so for a week I didn't I didn't think about it that final week came and went and I moved out of the out of the flat I'd been moved out about two or three weeks and it was uh, a winter's evening it was it was dark and my father had, had come over to where I was now living and he was picking me up so we could go back to my parents' house. And so the, the journey took us past my old flat. As we're driving past, we, we both look up because, you know, most houses are in darkness, but the window to my flat had a light on. And so as we, as we look at the, the light that's on, my 
father says, oh, looks like somebody's moved into your, your old place already. And that's when I thought I was joking and said, well, it's either that or it's the ghost. And that's when he looked at me quite seriously and he said, are you being serious? Are you just joking? Well, I don't know. Something might have happened. Why? So that's when he pulled the car over to the side of the road and turned the engine off and turned to look at me and that's when my heart sort of sank because I thought, well, something's, something's up. And he said, look, if something's happened, then you need to tell me. And I said, well, possibly. You know, I was still in the almost denial stage at that time. Um, but I recounted everything that I could remember to my dad. about the, the cats looking at nothing around the room, um, about the feeling of a presence. And, of course, the night that I saw this young woman end, and this will describe exactly what she looks like. So I, I described how she looked, what she was wearing, and the, the thing that stood out was her long, shiny black hair. And as I said that, his response was, yes, that's her. What do you mean, that's, that's her? And he said, well, I didn't want to tell you anything and your mother didn't want to tell you either because we didn't want to worry you. But the flat that you've lived in, something has happened there. And then he told me the, the story of the neighbour of my grandmother her neighbours had a, a teenage daughter who was 18 or 19 and one New Year's Eve she went back to your flat um, she went back with somebody who she worked with who was much older than her and on New Year's Day he murdered her in your flat and when the police found her 
one of the things I remarked upon was how long and shiny her hair was because she had not long got out of the bath. I just sat there, shocked. And I'm overcome with this wave of, oh my God, everything that's happened in in that place, it's gone from things that you thought were in your own mind, things that you could explain away. Suddenly, all of that becomes turned on its head and it's, it's all very real. We just sat there for five minutes just so I could gather my composure. And then we started driving back to my parents' house. I think for most of the journey I was I was just trying to relive everything that had happened. So when I was listening to music and I felt there was a presence there, I thought, well, was she sitting in the, the flat with me? Was she listening to the music with me? Um, I was very peaceful. Was that why I was allowed to stay at the flat for so long? But when I look back... It was obvious that she didn't mean me any harm. It wasn't like she was trying to scare me off. And when she got to the the bed, if I'd have been braver at the time, I'd have I'd have just waited there to see what happened because it was it almost seemed certain that she just wanted to lean over and, and kiss me goodnight. I thought maybe because it was my final week that she was making herself known and saying saying goodbye. I, I don't think I, I told anyone else for for a long time. Many years later, it was maybe 2007, I started work at a, a company where I was a software tester. And then we employed a chap who was working in my department, doing the same job as me. And so we're, we're having a, a good conversation at, at work one day, and there was a horror movie that had come out I can't remember the name of which horror movie it was and so we start talking about these horror movies that we've seen in our childhood and then he says I must tell you about this experience I had one time and he was telling me back in the 1980s he was living in a, a flat by himself 
He said he'd, he'd gone to bed one night and during the night he had the sensation that somebody was strangling him. And he was about to fight off whoever it was but he opened his eyes and there was nobody there. And he, he said it was in when he lived in a flat in Birmingham. So I just said, okay, where's where is this flat in Birmingham? And he said it was in Edgebaston. Okay. Whereabout was this? And so he told me the road. It was the same road. And the the house. And it was the same house. And it was the same flat. sat there for a minute taking it in and he probably wonders why the hell is he just staring and of course I recounted what happened to me and uh, yeah of course he had a very shocked reaction to that At the time, um, I didn't question why he'd had a bad experience and and I'd had a good one. But as we got to know each other, he he told me that uh, when he was younger, he had a bit more of a a wilder lifestyle, I guess. I think he had a bit of a dependency with, with alcohol for a while. In the news article, it said that the chap who had murdered her, he initially hit her with a cider bottle. So maybe there was a, an alcohol connection there that she she didn't like. If she was stuck in the stuck in that flat then she'd, I guess she'd want to be stuck with someone who wasn't going to make her, her time there a, a misery and maybe my presence there was somebody she could get on with, which was why I was allowed to, or felt like I was allowed to live there for so long. And I did think at the, at the time, did she realise that her neighbour was my grandmother and that there was that connection there maybe that's what she felt when I moved into the house perhaps that was why I saw her acting as she did on that final week when I saw her lean over the bed perhaps that was a, a thank you and a kiss goodbye About a, a month ago, I was recounting the, the story to my neighbours because the, the topic had gone on to that sort of thing. And they asked me, well, did you, 
researched the, the story. And it got me thinking that in maybe 2000, 2005, I'd had a, a look on the internet, but I couldn't really find anything. But that was a long time ago. So I thought I'd go onto the internet and see if there was anything I could find out. And a lot of articles came back straight away. The first one I saw was a photo of the girl. And of course, a picture shows her a long dark hair. And as well as that, it also showed a picture of the flat I lived in with the light on. As, as soon as I saw the, the photo, my heart sank and my heart raced at the same at the same time. Seeing her actual picture for the first time, I got a real sense of who she was. Before I learned of who she was, it was just a an experience. Since learning a name, then I don't forget it. It's like she's always there with me now. I do often think, should I go and knock on the door of that house and see if they'd be open to me going upstairs and speak to the, the ghost of a girl that lives in the flat? I'd ask her if I could contact any relatives and, of course, I'd apologise for being a, a total coward and diving under the covers. Maybe um, I should have let her kiss me goodnight, but hopefully she'd be understanding. Thank you, thank you, Matt, for sharing your story with the spooked all the way from England. If you do decide to go back to your old flat, let us know what you find. Original score was by Leon Morimoto. It was produced by Greta Weber. Let the record reflect real people telling you their real truth. Spooked. If you have a story where you lived with, experienced, talked to, ate with, fought with, comforted a power that was not of our experience, a story you're afraid to tell anybody else, tell me. Spooked at snapjudgment.org because there's nothing better 
than a spook story from a spooked listener. Spooked at snapjudgment.org. And if you need that spook gear, the t-shirt of your dreams, or your nightmares, it's available right now, snapjudgment.org. And remember, if you like your storytelling, under the bright light of day, get the amazing, stupendous sister podcast, Snap Judgment. It's storytelling with a beat. Created by the team that sleeps during the day and rises in the night. Except, of course, Mark Ristich. The Mark never sleeps. There's Davy Kim, Chris Hambrick, Lauren Newsom, Leon Morimoto, Teo Ducat, Marissa Dodge, Zoe Frigno, Ann Ford, Greta Weber, Tessa Paoli, Doug Stewart, Parker Hallowell. The spook theme song is by Pat Massini Miller. My name is Glenn Washington, and understand. There's no GPS, no satellite tracking for the dark path we walk. Only those voices, those shades that claim to be guides. Ignore them. Liars one and all. But if you do succumb and are led off the path into their madness, remember this. If you remember nothing at all, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever. story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED and PRX.